0: Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Bible in Order, where we are chronologically going through the entire Bible in one year. Today's reading for September 27th is Nehemiah chapter six and seven. Nehemiah is continuing the work and the enemy is continuing to haunt him, to draw him away from his work by trickery and deception. In chapter six, beginning in verse 2 they were planning to harm me Nehemiah says he was talking about Sanballat Tobiah and Geshem who kept saying come let's meet together in the village so we can work out a plan see how we can work together but Nehemiah understood that they were not trying to help him They were not trying to come alongside of him. They were trying to hinder him, even kill him and take his life. The enemy always wants to deceive and deception does not come from God, of course. Verse 4 says, four times they sent him the same proposal and he gave them the same reply. His reply was, I can't stop doing what God has called me to do. Friends, we can take a lesson from that. Do not turn back. Focus on the work at hand. In verse 5, this time they sent an open letter. What's an open letter going to do? purpose of the open letter is so that anybody around could see it. When it's read aloud, the other people around would hear it and it's an attempt to create peer pressure. I wonder if some of the people around Nehemiah, when they heard the content of the open letter, they said, Nehemiah, what could it hurt, man? Just go and listen to what they have to say. But Nehemiah would not be deterred. He said in verse nine, they are all trying to intimidate intimidate us. They're saying, we're never going to finish that work. I'm sure some of the people around Nehemiah were tempted to believe it. I'm sure it felt that way. Have you ever been in the midst of a hard season where it felt like it would never end? And the question becomes, why does God allow that? Clearly, God sent Nehemiah to Jerusalem to to rebuild the city wall. Why would God allow the enemy to continue to distract him? The open letter says, We're trying to help you. People are starting rumors that you're going to rebel against the king. If these rumors get to the king, you're going to suffer violence from the king. We're trying to help you. It was a clear attempt to dissuade Nehemiah, but also to put pressure on those around who would hear it. And Nehemiah says, in response there's nothing to these rumors you're spreading you're inventing them out of your own mind he will not be swayed but then why why does god allow these enemies to continually to continually hinder the work why does god allow that And I believe the answer comes to us in the New Testament in different forms from different authors. The result is always the same, it's to glorify God through the maturation of his people. We learn to persevere and as we persevere we become better people, we become better versions of ourselves because we become more like God. God gives us missions and things to do, and it's not just for Him. It's also for us. The satisfaction that comes from persevering in the midst of trial is one to behold. Everything that we hold dear are the things that we had to work for. The reason that scarcity is an economic principle is because it's true. Something that most people will not work for is valuable in the eyes of all. And it's a reminder, friends, that God is not interested solely in our righteousness, but also in our maturity. And the two are linked, but they're not the same for the For the first two decades of my faith walk, I focused so much on righteousness that I forsook maturity and I didn't understand the difference between the two. Righteousness is stopping the sin patterns, doing away with the willful sins. But that is only the beginning of the Christian walk. God is also raising up people who will have his mind who will understand things. God is looking for people to co-reign with Christ in the coming age and also to administer the kingdom of heaven in this age. Perhaps the reason that the Israelites had to wander around in the desert for 40 years before they could enter the promised land is because they were not mature enough to inhabit it and to steward it with wisdom. It's not just that they were grumbling and that they were in sin, perhaps. I've heard prophecies dating back 20 years or 30 years about a great wealth transfer that is going to happen at the end times, and people have been expecting it. But how many Christians do you know who could really handle a huge influx of cash and resources, Just like the lottery winners and the professional athletes who come into a large sum of money quickly, they don't know how to manage it and almost all of them are broke within a few short years. And many of them are in worse financial condition after having been blessed than they were before. Nehemiah goes in verse 10 to another house and he's met with another person who lies to him and prophesies in the name of God, but it's a false prophecy. He realized in verse 12 that God had not sent him because the prophecy he spoke against me. Many people in the modern day focus on prophetic words and seeking out prophets to speak to them words of encouragement or words about their future. This is just a reminder that a prophetic word is to be tested like it says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We are to test everything and hold on to that which is good. Prophetic word should confirm something that God has already been speaking to you. It should line up with scripture. If somebody speaks a prophetic word over you and it doesn't feel right because it doesn't line up with scripture and it's a brand new revelation of something that you have never considered before. Be very careful putting any stock in it. Even after the wall is completed in verse 15, Nehemiah remains under pressure by the people around him. Everybody's speaking highly of this Tobiah who was against Nehemiah, trying to even kill Nehemiah. and Because he was so politically well-connected, all of these people kept coming to Nehemiah saying, listen to all of these great things Tobiah has done, how he's donated to these charities, I'm sure. It's like a lot of politicians and leaders today who are laundering money, stealing from the poor, and yet they give to the charities in order to make themselves look good. Friends, we need to have a closer inspection of many of the people who seem to be doing the work of the Lord. Many of them are just serving their own purposes instead and are actually inhibiting the work of God. In chapter 7, Nehemiah says he appoints his brother Hanani because he was a man who feared God more than most in verse. If a man of God or woman of God was looking to and fro in our society today for people who feared God more than most, I wonder how many of us would be Chosen for that. I wonder if people would look at my life and say he fears God more than most. Even the Apostle Paul in the New Testament said that he would examine himself and he urged other believers to examine themselves, to test themselves, to ensure that they are in the faith. There are some points to a litmus test to determine if we are indeed saved. And one is, do you fear God? Are you keeping his commands? If we're not keeping God's commands, if we're not living a righteous lifestyle, we are not fearing him. It's very clear. If you're living in sin, if you're offending your own conscience by the way you behave and the way you act and the way you speak, you might just need to repent. If you don't love the word of God, you might not be one who fears God more than most. You might have fallen into the lie of this cheap grace gospel that says you just have to ask Jesus into your heart one time and then you're good forever. Friends, that's not in the Bible. Well-intentioned preachers, many of them, in order to save more people, have mistakenly weakened the message And lowered the bar of entry to allow everyone to come in and it reminds me of the story that Jesus told in Matthew chapter 22 of the king and his wedding banquet for his son when it came time for the wedding feast he told his servants to go out and invite all of the guests tell them it's time there were people who had RSVP'd to this wedding banquet feast and yet they didn't show. They were too busy. They had too many other things going on. The servant comes back and reports that message to the king, and he says, we've got to have people here for the party go into the streets and bring in anyone who's willing to come. So the servant does that, but on the beginning of the feast, when the king goes in, he sees people in there who are dressed in street clothes like they've been out working in a field and they're not appropriately dressed for a wedding and the king says how did you come in here not being dressed for a wedding and the undressed guest was left speechless and so the king had him tied and thrown out so it will be with the kingdom of heaven Jesus said many are called but few are chosen friends if you're Considering yourself to be part of the body of Christ, if you think that you're part of the holy church of God, yet you haven't been clothed in the righteousness of Christ, you are mistaken, you are deceived, and you must repent and accept Jesus Christ, not just as your Savior, but as your Lord In chapter 7, verse 5, Then my God put it into my mind to assemble the nobles, officials, and peoples to be registered by genealogy. What has God put into your mind? What is the idea that keeps coming to your mind that you haven't acted on yet? Act on it. Chapter 7 includes the record of the names and the families who came back from the exile and who began the work. And many were disqualified because they couldn't prove that they were part of Israel even among the priests they couldn't find their genealogical records so they were disqualified from the priesthood we don't have a genealogical record required for people in the church today all people are welcome God is welcoming every tongue nation tribe and people every ethnicity is welcome God is not a respecter of persons God is not racist and he is a God of order. He has a specific way of doing things and we have to conform to his will, not the other way around. There are people in the church today who are not truly part of the body. Jesus talked about the wheats and the tares. There's a tremendous shaking happening in the church right now. And we see it every day with people walking away from the faith people walking away from the church, families being divided. It was all prophesied 2,000 years ago that it would come to this. Friends, it's not about what we think, it's about what God says. It's fundamentally important that we learn we can't have it our way. The kingdom of heaven is not like America where everyone can come and make their own best life for themselves and their future The kingdom of heaven is coming and denying ourselves and following after him, Jesus, who denied himself for us. We are to be unified, and the only way we're going to be able to do that is when we all forsake our own agendas, lay them down for his. May God bless you. Thank you for being on this journey with me. We'll see you tomorrow.